Abandoned to Mother, the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Maiden to Mother Journey. I'm Kendall, your podcast host, and today we are speaking to Shanae. Shanae, how are you going? Hi, Kendall. So well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. You are our very first guest from WA. Oh, wow. That's so lovely. <laughs> we have to ramp up a few more for you. Yeah, absolutely. I've been trying to get some WA girls on, so perfect. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Can you start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, my name is Sinead. I live in WA in a little sleepy coastal town um, with my husband and my two infant daughters. Um, Winter has just turned two and my youngest, Baba Fleur, is um, she's now eight months old. So it's just the four of us and um, my husband and I are both videographers. We met at uni, uh, God, a long time ago now, 12 years or so. Um, and we were both doing screen production and film. So that's actually how we met. And I'd gone on to done, um, to do some more studies in health promotion, um, but have kind of come back to film and, uh, yeah, working as a birth videographer here in the Southwest of WA. Which is how I actually came across you and your page, your birth videography page. I must say you're a very, very good birth videographer. Oh, thank you, Kendall. That's so sweet. Um, I love it. I just, yeah, um, I, lo- I love my job. I'm so, so lucky. And it was, it's beautiful because my husband works as a videographer too. And it means that I can have that flexibility, like both of us working for ourselves and um, I can be on call. It's not always possible for everyone um, to do this sort of job. So yeah, I'm really, really lucky. And I just, yeah, I love it so much. It's so, so special. Oh, I could imagine it would be a very rewarding role for sure. Um, so we'll talk about your journey into motherhood. Let's start off with your oldest daughter. Was it winter? Yeah, winter, yeah. Winter, yep. What was your family planning like with winter? Um, we were, I mean, we were quite ready for some time. Um, I don't know why we took so long to try and conceive, actually. We just, we're just doing our thing and, um, yeah, we'd been together for so so many years before we started trying and we were very fortunate. We um, conceived really quickly when we decided. So um, I was still working at the time in health promotion for a non-for-profit organisation here down in Southwest. And um, yeah, honestly, just couldn't, could not wait to be a mum anymore. And my husband had been on my case for many years. And um, yeah, like I said, we, I don't know what, what uh, made us um, to wait so long, but I think we just had travel plans and things like that always in the work. So, yeah. so yeah, we kind of had a long time, just the two of us, um, which was so beautiful and I'm really thankful for now, but, um, but yeah, we were, we were just ready, ready to take that next step and to start a little family. And, um, you know, I had nieces and nephews around me and we were just keen to, um, to start a family ourselves. That's amazing. And what, what was your pregnancy like with winter? Uh, it was pretty straightforward. I was pretty ill um, for the first, I mean, you know, everyone sort of says it'll disappear after 12 weeks. And so I was really sick and 12 weeks hit and I'm like, okay, come on, like this is it, we're good. And it just kept going on and on and on. And I got to about 21 weeks or 22 weeks and I 
went, oh my gosh, I haven't speared all week. That, that's amazing. Like, and I realized that had stopped. So, so, so thankful that it did stop because I thought that was going to be it for the rest of the pregnancy. But, but yeah, I was really ill. Apart from that, though, it was pretty straightforward. Like it was, um, I started to get a little bit of back pain around 17 weeks and I thought, oh no, what am I going to do? But it's just all those things moving. Um, yeah. The relaxants, changing everything in your body. But, but yeah, no, it was pretty straightforward and just super, super excited. I was still being quite active, doing a lot of um, prenatal yoga and things like that. So I felt pretty good and that pain did disappear um, after a couple of weeks. So um, it was all smooth sailing from there. Oh, that's amazing. And what was your choice of medical provider? So I um, I had private health insurance and um, was umming and ahhing what to do. It's so silly now looking back at it, thinking mm. I made the decision based on um, on money and having that insurance and not wanting to waste it. But my choice was to go with a private obstetrician. Um, I knew that I wanted continuity of care and so having that private OB was a good option for me then. Um, but, yeah, in hindsight's a great thing, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the more so, you get into birth world, you more, the more you yeah, understand. More oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also because we live about half an hour out of town, we, um, I wanted to have that option of having my husband Alex stay there in hospital with me um, after the births and have that support, that postpartum yeah. support for the initial few days or week or however long we ended up staying. So. Um, that was quite important to me as well. but um, And I actively sought out an obstetrician who was sort of pro-vaginal births, uh, you know, as they say they are. And um, he was very well known for helping women to achieve VBACs and that sort of thing in the area. So I thought I was making a really good choice going with someone like that. Mm. So let's talk about your birth story then with Winter. Can you um, take us to the first signs of labour? Yeah, well, I was actually only 37 weeks um, wow. pregnant and I'd gone out to my mum's place for um, just a few nights. My husband had a lot of work he wanted to get done before baby arrived, um, working for himself. So he's like, right, if I can just knuckle down and get it all finished, then I'll be right to take some paternity leave. Um, and so I went out to mum's for a few days, which was really lovely. And um, she lives on a couple of acres out near the forest and um, it was just beautiful getting waited on um, yeah. which was so nice <laughs> having long baths and yeah. sitting out drinking tea and it's just yeah it was awesome oh good old mum so oh good. right <laughs> so good <laughs> uh, so yeah we um so I did that and I actually packed my bag in the car <laughs> I was like so excited so I had my bags packed and everything and I um I'd been on on maternity leave for three weeks already and just so so excited the first three weeks were just really crazy um getting everything done all the you know ticking all the boxes and then the last three weeks were planned for me to just relax and add massages I had you know float tanks booked in I had all the things hair appointments all the things just relax mm. and I never got to do any of it <laughs> so <laughs> gypped <laughs> oh, so you know yeah that's right um so anyway yeah so I was out at my mum's house and we'd been sewing a whole bunch of burp cloths and I'd been on my feet all day in the sewing room and then that night, like mum and I have a habit of sort of staying up a lot, <laughs> staying up late and talking. We can't get to bed. We just keep chit-chatting. And uh, it was quite late. By the time we went to bed, it was almost one o'clock and mum's like, you've got to go to sleep. We've got to stop talking. So I went to bed and um, about 5.30 in the morning I woke up and I just felt a bit of dampness in my underwear and I went to the bathroom 
um, just to sort of check it out and to, um, you know, clean up. And as I sort of stood up in, in the bathroom, a gush of fluid just came out of me and it was so much fluid. It went all up the walls, um, but it was actually red in colour. And I thought, okay, that's fine. That just means there's a bit of blood in my waters. It's mm. all good. It's, um, it's to my waters breaking. And um, I call, I was about to go back to bed. And I thought, I just need to get some rest. This is it. It's finally happening. Mind um, everyone laughed at me for packing my bag and taking it out to my mum's at 37 weeks. But <laughs> You're like, turns, yeah, it turns out I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, because I was still kind of dripping everywhere, I didn't, like, I didn't really have anything, any pads or anything with me. It was all in the car. So I phone called my mum who's upstairs. I didn't want to drag fluid all through her house <laughs> and said, come down. Um, I think we need to go to the hospital because I'd actually, uh, right before I was about to go back to bed, I thought, look, I'm just going to call them just to make sure that this this red colour is okay. And she was very calm on the phone, and she, but she said, I just really want you to come in. And I'm like, oh, so inconvenient. Like, do I really have to? Is everything <laughs> yeah. okay? And she's like, um, yes, every, it just come in. Like she kind of just didn't answer me and I thought, okay, she's, she's concerned about something. So off we went. Um, I was just like in, yeah, I was just so excited. I really was. I was like, this is, I was so keen for this baby and this birth that I've been waiting for years to eventually try and, um, start trying for a family. So I was so, so excited that it was finally happening. And, um, we got to the hospital and they, wanted to do an internal again like these are all the things I'd sort of had a birth plan on like no internals no you know no checks just all the things like that I didn't want any intervention I didn't want any pain relief um all the things so the minute I walked in and it was new staff and midwives I'd never met and that's the problem going through a private obstetrician I think is that you don't get to know the midwives yeah and the, the OB is there like for a tiny bit of your labor but you don't know anybody um, and then it was actually a Sunday of a public holiday and my OB had gone away. <laughs> so, um, I didn't even have my private OB either. It was a, it was a, whoever was on call. And so I had all these strangers wanting to start intervening from the second I walked in the hospital and I just wanted to get out of there. I was like, Oh, I just want to get home. So I, I called my husband and he'd been up all night editing. So I, um, I couldn't reach him and I was just sort of, I just left a voice message and said, hey, I'm in the hospital, but, you know, it's all good, just like I'll catch you later sort of thing um, and was waiting to hear back from him. But once I kind of got there and they wanted to start doing all these checks and everything, it started sort of um, not spiralling, but it was just like oh, my guard just came up because I thought, here we go, this is exactly what I was trying to prevent. Um, and I should say during my pregnancy I watched um, the doc documentary Birth Time. yes. Uh, we had a, um, a screening here at the cinemas in um, where I'm from and I walked out of that just like with a huge lump in my throat and was like, fuck, I fucked up. Like why am I going through an obstetrician? <laughs> and yeah. so I already had my guard up going into a private hospital like that, especially it being someone I didn't know. Um, and they started with talks immediately saying we're going to have to have a cesarean. And I was like, here we go. This is exactly what I knew was going to happen. Mm. So I was just very anti the people there, you know. I was just like, just leave me alone. Everything's fine. We're all good. Um, but, yeah, obviously they were quite concerned about the blood. So they wanted to do an internal check just to see. And I thought, okay, if that's what they need to do to, like, let me go home and labor, then that's that's what we're going to do. So I let them do a check and they said, oh, yeah, well, you're actually definitely in labor, which I didn't realize because I hadn't felt any sensations yet. But 
um, the OB said I was three centimetres dilated already. And wow. when, they, when they hooked me up onto the monitor, um, the spikes, so the contractions were actually um, really close together and baby was starting to, um, baby's heart rate was starting to rise a little bit. So they wanted to slow that down, especially because I couldn't feel anything yet. Um, bear in mind, I'd had like pre-labor for three weeks already. So um, just whether sort of or not, like yeah, just felt yeah. normal, yeah. Just a little bit of period pain sort of thing. Yeah, so then um, they wanted to break my waters. They said if if there's blood in your waters, then it, it it's something to be concerned about and we need to talk about the next step. But um, if there's not, then we'll just let you labor, like we'll leave you alone sort of thing. Um, so I was trying to reach my husband. I really didn't want to have my waters broken. You know, it's a form of induction. But mm. at the same time, if it was going to get them off my back and I could just then they could just leave me alone, then I was willing to do that because the alternative was them pushing for us um, for surgery. Um, and so eventually I got hold of my husband. He came in and we decided for them to break my waters. So they broke my waters. Um, it was clear, thank goodness, <laughs> which oh, meant every, everything was all good and they kind of let us labour. Uh, and that was sort of the last that I'd heard about any, you know, any um, talk of a C-section for ba- until the very end of my labour. But what I didn't know was that they were really concerned my entire labour and they kept pulling my husband and my mum out of the room and giving them lots of scare talks. Um, what were they scared about? Uh, they were worried that there were, the blood um, was an abruption, a placental abruption. Right. Yeah. So um, when the placenta is coming away, mm. it means that things can crash very quickly and baby won't have any access to the placenta so no oxygen supply um did they did they not check i don't know if that's something that they can see like in this did they do a bedside scan did you mention no so they can't they don't really know that until the baby's out um, right and you can see whether or not the placenta has clotted Mm. um so yeah oh yeah so what i should have said before is that because my waters were still intact and then that all of that fluid in my mum's bathroom was all blood. So there was a lot of it. So it was, right. a, huge, it was a massive hemorrhage. Um, and I kept hemorrhaging while I was in the hospital as well. So, yeah, they were a bit concerned. Um, but in saying that, they were like, well, we don't know what it is. It could be a multiple, like it could be a range of things. An abruption is just one of them. But um, the other thing you should mention is that we didn't know what a placental abruption was. We didn't mm-hmm. know anything. Like we didn't know anything about that. And so it was never really explained how serious it could be. Um, and also because we already had our guard up, we're kind of like, yeah, 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 leave us alone. We're good. Is the baby fine? Okay, we're good. Am I fine? Okay, just leave us alone, you know. Um, and because they gave me, I think it's called, oh, I'm going to um, absolutely butcher this, terbutaline, terbutaline, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, like an injection to slow your contractions down. So because my on the screen my contractions were back to back, I mean basically my body was trying to push um, my body was trying to push my baby out because there was something wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So it was quite intense contractions. But again, at that point I couldn't feel them. Um, then that just slowed everything down and gave baby a chance to sort of catch up and breathe. So they did that, um, and then when they broke my waters um, around ten thirty. So I'd been in the hospital for a few hours already. Um, everything just started to ramp up again. And I was like, yep, cool. This is exactly what I wanted. What I, wanted. I can just labor. They're off my back. Um, like, see you later sort of thing. And 
and yeah, just having my husband there, he was um, protecting my space and my mum. Um, we did a lot of um, hypnobirthing. We did the course twice because I ran it. I, I went to it through the private hospital and thought the woman running it was absolutely terrible. And so I did it again through the private hospital and it was amazing. Uh, sorry, oh, really? Through the, sorry, through the public hospital, yeah. Public. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the woman that ran it through the private hospital just, I don't know, just didn't really get the concept of hypnobirthing. No, was well, she just? She's probably just talking about more like equipment and facts of birthing rather than the yeah. physiology of it. <laughs> and she was an older midwife and just had that mentality like, "Husband, you just sit in the corner and be quiet and look pretty." Oh no, yeah, and that's just not my husband at all. Like he's like he wants to be involved. He's part of part of this experience, and so we just didn't enjoy that. And I walked in, I'd done a lot of research already myself and so we walked in really prepared and walked out of there so confused and so um, frazzled by the whole thing. So we went and did it again through the um, public hospital just online at night time um, through live Zoom calls and it was so much better because they're passionate about it. Yeah. Um, yep. And they do have a midwifery group program through the public hospital as well. So um, that's this. that was sort of the difference. <laughs> Yeah, it did make you feel a lot better after that course. Oh, yeah, so much better, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're using some hypnobirthing techniques during your birth? Yeah, and the TENS machine as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that was amazing. Um, yeah, so we kind of just laboured on and everything was fine. Like I said, like I didn't know, but they kept coming in and threatening cesarean. Um, and my husband just kept saying, well, you know, is the heart rate okay with the baby? And they'd say, well, yeah. And okay, was Sinead's heart rate okay? Yeah. He's like, okay, well then just let, let us be. Like, it's all yeah. good. Everything's fine. But like I said, they're concerned that things could happen really quickly. Um, but in which case we're in the best we're in the best environment, you know, if something were to yeah. happen. So yeah, yeah, we um just kept laboring and there was just a lot of a lot of pressure as the day went on. I think around six o'clock in the evening, the obstetrician came in and said, Right, if she's not um if she's not at least seven centimetres, I'm going to check her now. If she's not at least seven centimetres, we're going to theatre. And I went, what? Like That was the first time I'd heard C-section again. And so it was a bit like, oh, yeah, I think because my space had been protected, it was that, that was quite a shock for me because mm. they'd been thinking about it the entire time and they had a, a theatre full of people waiting for me, um, knowing it was going to end that way and um, or anticipating it was going to end that way. So, yeah, and he checked me and I was six centimetres. <laughs> Um, and they were like, okay, theater. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Like I'm obviously laboring. I'm progressing. My baby and I are doing everything we need to be doing. I'm six centimeters. I'm not three centimeters. Like when I arrived, Yeah, we kind of had to advocate for ourselves and they were like, okay, keep going then. And he said, okay, we've got an hour. Um, so he came back, checked me. I was fully dilated. And then, um, he said, okay, we've got an hour to get this baby out. Otherwise, cesarean oh my gosh yeah and I'm like, how is it feeling like getting I I mean I, I never had a conversation like that and I could like I couldn't imagine being in full-blown labor and having to have that conversation how are you feeling having to have that conversation just so rushed I felt so I felt so angry I felt really mm. rushed and but also determined a bit like you know fuck you I'm gonna get this baby out <laughs> you watch me bitch yeah exactly <laughs> so I started like having that urge to bear down a little bit but like in hindsight I should not have been pushing at that stage it wasn't unbearable um you know that fetal ejection 
reflex. Like I wasn't at that stage, but mm-hmm. I had a, I had, literally had a clock in the room and I'm watching the minutes tick by and we had half an hour and then we had 15 minutes left. And then uh, I had a beautiful mid- uh, student midwife, I should mention. So she arrived at some point in the day and she was the only one I knew and she was so beautiful and she's, I could just see in her eyes, like she was almost pleading with me, like, you just got to get this baby out, like they're going to take you to theatre sort of thing. And, yeah, you know, I was excited to get really intense after that um, after that conversation. So my heart rate started to go up, baby's heart rate started to go up. But, of course, you know, I was bearing down then too. And every time I would um, contract and bear down, I uh, would continue to lose more blood. And so they were getting more and more concerned. And, I mean, knowing what I know now, babies descending increases their heart rate. So that's normal. But, yeah, they were just starting to get really freaked out. And there were more and more people coming into the room, everyone staring at me, literally got minutes on the clock ticking by. Every second was like, get this baby out. Um, I was vomiting by that stage. and um yeah it was a lot (laughs) it was a lot yeah so then they had kind of come in there was a pediatrician in there as well because they were obviously worried about baby um now my mum's a little bit of a stress head and so we I did want her at the birth but I'd I'd well prepped her we made her do the birth thing course with us again and we're like if you're going to be there you need to be on board otherwise you're getting kicked out (laughs) yeah very responsible decision (laughs) yeah yeah we're very close I really wanted her to experience that I wanted to gift her that Mm-hmm. Um, experiencing it would be hard though as I feel like it's a generational difference as well um you know like similar situation with my mum like yeah stress head it's hard it would be hard for a mother to see her daughter and in doing things and wanting to advocate you know I think our mothers just go do what the doctor says exactly and mm-hmm. it was so sweet though she was trying to keep up this brave face for me and she's like I know mum I know you I know your face too well yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at her and she put on this half-ass smile like hi everything's good and I'm like mom <laughs> you were freaking out and the pediatrician could read her like a book so like they were trying to get in her head they're working on it oh. they really were working her so that she would try and change my mind um, to go to theatre and so the pediatrician's giving her these stressed out looks like oh like you know gritting teeth like oh I don't know like freaking, you know all that stuff yeah so that wasn't fun because I just remember watching them like what's going on and I kind of looked up at mum and said like is everything okay like obviously I knew that was stressed but in my head everything was okay mm. you know I knew that everything the baby was fine and I was fine the only concern for me was that clock yeah but yeah, they um they came in and they're like, You're losing too much blood. I had people basically pulling on my arms in every direction. That's what it felt like and being like, You need to go to theatre, you need to go to um C section. And um by that stage I was done. I was tapping out, that was my out, and so I agreed. And they um I supposed to get me over the over the line, they were like, Right, we're gonna take you into theatre. We'll try forceps and then if that doesn't work, then we'll do cesarean. But we'll try forceps first. It was kind of like a a bargain deal like mm. you, can, you still might get your vaginal birth like but I knew that wasn't going to happen so anyway I'm on the bed I'm like butt naked they wanted me to sit down I'm like no way in hell am I sitting on my butt right now um with a head almost coming out of my vagina so I like knelt on all fours and they were not happy about it because um <laughs> they were worried I was going to fall off the bed but I was all good um and they're getting me to sign all this paperwork and I was like are you fucking kidding me like this is the worst time me to stop and read paperwork I don't know what I'm signing 
I was like, oh, I'm a bit busy right now. And they kind of were like, well, we can't take you until you do. You have to just sign here. And I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. I was so angry. So I just signed my life away. And um, we were wheeled into theatre. I've gone from this beautifully dim, dark room um, to a bright room full of strangers. There were so many people in there. Kind of like, I can't, I wish I knew how many were there, but there were so many. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. Probably 15 or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It felt like that, about 15. Um, I was trying to do like a head count later when I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, it was probably about 15. And they're all just looking at me like with pity. And mm. I'm naked. There are a lot of young ones as well, a lot of young um, doctors in there. And I thought, okay, they've just dragged every single student that's on this ward in to see this because placental eruptions are so rare. It's a 1% chance. So one in 100. I thought, okay, they're just like using this as a bit of a, a case a, study. Yeah, a case study and a learning <laughs> learning opportunity mm-hmm. for students. Oh, and yeah, they're all just looking at me with pity. And we ended up, um, they gave me a spinal block, which was just awful because you'd have to stay still and I'm contracting. And bear in mind, like my contractions were back to back. I didn't get a break. I was getting 40 seconds at most because my body was just trying to get this baby out. And, um, yeah, back-to-back contractions and they wanted me to sit still, which was so hard. But we managed to get there in the end and then they did the ice test, put my legs up in stirrups, I couldn't feel anything. He said, can you just push you, give us a push? I pushed and then I heard my baby cry. <laughs> and um, I yeah, actually was in shock because I really, really didn't think it was going to, like I'd forgotten, like, I knew they were going to do forceps, but I'd forgotten. I was like, we're going to have a, a C-section. Like, that's why oh, we asked. Yeah, I was super confused then. So we didn't have a cesarean. We didn't have a cesarean. No. <laughs> <Right>. Plot twist. <laughs> that was a good plot twist. <laughs> so um, so yeah. the forceps work. Yeah, one like one push because she was already there. I'd been bearing down for an, almost an hour. And yeah. Um, yeah, it was so close. She was so, she was so, so close. And then we're taking, it was taking so long. Oh, by the way, she was perfectly healthy. And mm. I looked back at my notes from the hospital and because they had continuous fetal monitoring on me because of the bleeding, which, you know, I couldn't use the water or anything like that I wanted to do. Um, they, her heart rate was completely stable when I was in that theatre, which is such mm. a shame because I think, was that really that massive big emergency that you'd made it out to be? Yeah, if you're just given just like a little bit more time and maybe if everyone didn't come in the room and knock you out of your zone, you know, like mm-hmm. a little bit more time would have been all that you needed really. Yeah. And it was this real like play of emotions after the birth because we kept going back and forth. Like, you know, it's that mentality that everyone <laughs> gets put in. Like, oh, thank God we were here to save you, you know. Like, yeah. yes, it was fantastic we were in a hospital, but I just think I kept going back over the notes you know, and I'm like, Everything was perfect. It was exact. My body did exactly what I needed to do to get this baby out because it knew something was wrong. Mm. What, like, what input did we have from the hospital? Like, how did they actually help us? And I think, okay, they did the the fetal monitoring, which you know statistics show does not actually improve birth outcomes, and that just freaked everyone out even more when she would get a, a higher or a dip, you know, mm. a high heart rate or a dip in her um her heart rate. So I think, well, nothing actually happened had I not been. On the clock, I I fully believe now, especially you know a couple of years later and doing all the birth work I do now, I fully believe that everything would have been perfectly fine um, without yeah. all that intervention. Yeah. So how are you feeling after? So obviously you heard your baby cry and then mm-hmm. they put her in your arms, did they? Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah. 
and how are you feeling? Oh, it's just over the moon. So, so, so happy. So happy. I could not believe that we had a vaginal delivery. Mm. And I think um, afterwards, I think a lot of the what happened was everyone else's fear kept coming back. And I was like, I don't understand what's wrong. Like, everything was fine. Everything was perfect. She was fine. I was fine. We had a vaginal delivery. Yay, go us. You know, like we, we advocated. They wanted to do a C-section the second we walked in. And so I think I was really stoked with how everything planned out. But it wasn't for, you know, weeks later that we did our own research and realized just how dangerous an abruption could be. And that's, that's actually what it was because when the placenta came out, 80% of it had been clotted. Wow, yeah, so that was going to be my next question. So you actually did have a placenta abruption? Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, so, yeah, 80% had clotted, which meant just as she was born, and I'm assuming that happened at the very last second, it clotted. Mm. Um, but she, yeah, would have only had 20% access to oxygen from the placenta. Yeah. But like I said, she was perfectly healthy. Her APGAR scores were, um, were 8 and 9, and so she never actually had any complications due to that so I'm assuming that happened you know when she after I'd given birth mm. it all came away and did you how did you deliver your placenta well, they, you... just, they just pulled it out yeah so because I have my legs and syrups um they kind of just did it all there and mm. I didn't you know I didn't realize any of this but I was sitting there laying there and I said to my um my wife like what's taking so long like I just want to get out and go back into my little dark bubble with my mum and my husband and that's it like why are all these things just down there staring at me with my legs and syrups and she's like oh I'm really sorry Sinead they they actually cut you which I'd stated on my you know on my preferences I would rather tear please don't cut me um oh they gave you an episiotomy yeah yeah without asking yeah are you fucking kidding me without telling me without asking Wow. So I'm assuming that that's what I signed my life away on that paperwork. Yeah. That's what I signed for, but obviously that was never verbally expressed to me. And, you know, later people are saying, oh, you know, all the doctors are saying, oh, you have to have an episiotomy on me when you have forceps. You know, it's a high chance of I can, um, you know, tearing into your rectum if you don't with forceps. And I'm like, that's totally fine, but ask me. Like yeah. the fact I, I never gave consent and I had – explicitly stated I do not want an episiotomy that's what was um I think even to this day that's the worst part about that whole experience is the lack of consent there that's bullshit yeah it is it's thing I'm so sorry that that happened to you and I think like the healing for the episiotomy was so so awful yeah I think that's why I just got so angry about it because I'm like I never signed up for this I didn't say yes to this but mm. had I had I say, said yes, and I probably would have in that situation if they said, look, we're using faucets, we're going to have to cut, is that okay? Like I would have said yes, I know that. But yeah. there's just no consent and there's no, yeah, which is just so, so wrong. Yeah, it is. And even if you were going to say yes, it's it, the decision was still taken away from you to say yes or no too. So yeah. I can understand why you're feeling so upset about that. That's yeah. really bad. But Very bad. <clears throat> Now, when you were being put back into the room, were you given like a golden hour and was, were you wanting to breastfeed? Yeah, yeah. So we um, we got put into the um, that waiting room, like the, what's it called? The theatre waiting room. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's like called the recovery room. Um, and yeah, I was like, just get me out of here. But because I'd had the spinal block, they had to, um, yeah, they had to keep me in there for a little while. 
and I got the shakes and everything. But yeah, we def- we I definitely wanted to breastfeed. We did the um, the breast curl, which was amazing. Um, and watch her kind of climb up and just latch on. It's just oh, that's one of my favorite parts to witness after. Isn't time. it amazing? Yeah, especially as a videographer, like seeing that, I'm just like it blows my mind every time. Mm. Um, so yeah, we did that. Um, we had a lot of issues breastfeeding actually afterwards. So um, it went yeah, it was a very very hard journey for me with with um, my daughter or well, my first daughter Winnie. But um, I was just determined, really determined to make it work, and so just fought through the pain. And I, I had a million appointments and tried all the different things and all the different diagnoses and different medications and everything to try and make it work. And it, we never got an answer, so I just got fed up and just dealt with the pain and fed her until she was one. Because by that stage, I was already um, about three months pregnant, and I was. Um, just in pain, just my, my nipples were so sore. I was over it. I had nothing left to give, like, my energy. Yeah. Growing a baby, giving breastfeeding another baby, I was just so ready to, to call it quits. So oh, I, I can imagine. What was, it, to, what was the problem? Was it just, like, a lot of pain when you were feeding or? Yeah, super painful. Super, super. Mm-hmm. My, my toes were clenched at every feed and I'd have tears running down my face. And um, so that postpartum was really hard, especially when, um, I was going, you know, doing all the late night Googling about placental abruption and the risks involved and all that. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't like, that was, that was really hard. But at the same time, I was just so happy to finally be a mum and I'd catch my reflection and would just cry and tears of joy. And it was just, it was really beautiful, but it was, it was hard too. Yeah. Yeah. I could imagine. And, um, so did they say it was anything? Like no one, obviously you'd seen like lactation consultants and all of that. Mm. So it was something to do with like latching or they don't know? It was. In the end, it ended up being her latch, but it's by the time that we'd figured out that's definitely what it was, she'd developed this habit. She was about four or five months old by then and she would clamp and she'd chomp and she wouldn't suck. All right. So, um, yeah, (laughs) that was fun. Oh, your poor nipples. Yeah, they're very, very sore. And um but they thought I had, you know, and I probably did have some some of these things, but um like vasospasm, they think that's probably part of it as well. So I was on medication for that and um they thought it was thrush and we're going back and forth and just there's just so things in your postpartum that you just shouldn't have to deal with and that was definitely one of them. The the fear of having a thrush and trying to fix it. And it turns out it wasn't even thrush, it was just her mm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. So how what was the like the transition for you going from maiden to mother? Was it like a hard adjustment period for you? Uh yes and no. I think I was so happy to finally be a mum and I just I just felt myself almost I don't know, it sounds a bit cliche, but like I felt like I was finally home, you know, like it was um that's what I was meant to be doing, you know. And I kept thinking, why have I waited for this? Like why did I wait so long for this? Like Hmm. this is the best this is the best thing ever but at the same time there was all that birth stuff coming up and there was that that guilt around I can't believe I was so invested in the birth that episodal abruption you know I put my baby's uh, her life at risk and she could have ended up with cerebral palsy and it was all those things and um yeah it was I've done a lot, lot of work on that now but um it was yeah thrown into the deep trenches and she just did not sleep <laughs> Oh no! She didn't sleep. She was attached to the boob. She, which was always painful. She would feed yeah. every 
45 minutes to two hours all through the night. So I was sleep deprived and, but I, you know, I look back now and I think, yeah, but you only had one. So it was all good. You just yeah. dealt with it. Like <laughs> now you go back and you go, oh God, babies are easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god and then so obviously you didn't waste no time before Fleur come along no well we actually did um our daughter started sleeping we uh, we consulted a sleep consultant and um she helped us to get her um on track with her sleep and it reduced the feeding and everything was a lot better in terms of my pain and everything so and that's actually when I started filming births <laughs> so I went to my first birth my daughter was suddenly sleeping. I was getting my energy back and I came home from the birth and I said to Alex, oh my God, we need to do it again. And I think there was part of me that also just felt very gypped about the whole birth experience because I was like, fuck, it's like 1% chance of this happening to yeah. me. Of course it happened to me. I was so keen to give birth and was really invested in it already. And um, I just, I felt like I'd been waiting for so long to get the birth that I dreamed of. And, um, and then that kind of got taken away because of the abruption and, so I was just so so keen to do it again and we were just loving parenthood around that six month mark and we were like, let's just do it again and before we could even really talk about it and we just did it. And again we were really lucky to conceive immediately. But um but yeah, we were pregnant um really, really soon. So she was yeah, there was about sixteen months between them. Oh, that's beautiful though. Like hard, but so beautiful having such a close age gap. How was your pregnancy with her? Yeah, a lot better. I, the sickness eased at around 13 weeks, which was a really nice surprise. <laughs> we did, um, we were traveling for my first trimester. We were traveling around Tasmania and I, um, we did experience a little bit of bleeding while we were over there and we were quite remote at that time and a couple of hours from the hospital. And we, I've experienced a lot of blood and a lot of pain, um, almost like quite intense labor pain. And so I assumed that I had miscarried. Um, and so the next day I went to the hospital to check and they were like, no, no, your baby's fine. So um, that was quite a, that was quite a um, journey <laughs> because we'd gone wow. through all the emotions of losing our baby and then realized she was actually still there. Um, and then that happened again a second time the next day. And again, we'd assumed we'd lost because I was losing massive clots and um, again, went back to hospital and they're like, no, no, your baby's fine. Oh, wow. So, was this a bit of like did they say any like I, I mean I had a similar experience I had glee I thought I'd had a miscarriage for sure but yeah it was all good it's a pretty mm. common thing but did they do say anything about it well because we had gone to the emergency and we we're traveling I didn't have a care provider um uh they didn't really know <laughs> just emergency further. staff yeah, yeah and, just made sure everything was okay yeah I was really determined to get some answers because it wasn't a fun it wasn't a fun trip because I was really stressed about it and just wanted mm. to get home and was fearful I was still going to lose the baby and um, tried to get tried to get an opinion and tried to get some help because I also wanted to fly home because we we travelled over there in the caravan and I wanted to fly home and just get home and um, I had to go and get a COVID jab to do that and so I wanted to go and see the doctor and an obstetrician to say well, do you think it's safe for me to get this jab while all this is happening um, I'd hate for it to continue and then they blame the jab. The, you know losing my pay all the things going through your head so um I went and saw a private obstetrician who was so beautiful she was um yeah she just helped me out a little bit there and did, she was so far I did every test under the sun just to make sure that everything was all good and everything was fine I think it was a subcoronic hemorrhage um outside of the sac so um 
yeah, and it, I didn't have any complications there. After I got home, um, got COVID on the plane. Oh, did you? Spent <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the whole spent a week or two in isolation with my my sixteen month old, or what it should have been almost twenty months then. My husband was still in Tasmania with the caravan and oh. um, trying to get home frantically to help us, but. Yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> oh gosh, and I heard um, getting COVID when you're pregnant, it just sort of like knocks you around so much more because like your immune systems. I couldn't believe it. I focusing so, on the baby. So so sick. I was like, I was vomiting already right when I was pregnant, but this yeah. was level like I just did not stop for an entire day. Feeling um, it was awful, but yeah, thankfully um, that was only for a few days, and then I was all good. But but yeah, the rest of the pregnancy was really easy. Um, it was. I felt really good. I was walking, um, but there was a little bit of confusion with our date. So when we were in Tasmania, I went and got a dating scan, and we assumed because we'd known for quite a while I was pregnant, um, and I'd been sick from like the get go. I was like, okay, I must be around eight or nine weeks pregnant. And when we did the scan, they were like, okay, really early, you're five weeks and five days or something. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no way, like we're. I've been sick for so long. Like, is it possible to be sick right at conception? They're like, well, yeah, I guess so. Um, so we didn't really know. I, we thought the dates were wrong. And so then when we um, it actually came time to birth her, she, we think we were quite overdue. And so um, she ended up being, if our dates are right, over 41 weeks. If their days are right, then only two days over. So it was a long, it was a long pregnancy <laughs> yeah. compared to the 37 week. Yeah, 100% big difference. Yeah. Um, so obviously like from your last one, having the obstetrician that you weren't like 100% happy with, um, did you choose a different model of care this time? Yeah, well, I get, again, I didn't actually get my OB. Um, I have a feeling yeah, that if I, I mean, had my like your original OB. Yeah, if I had him, I think, come in. And tell us this is serious. We need to go for cesarean. We probably would have, to be honest. Yeah, um, because we already had that trust there. But because we had that like a trust, we our guard was up, and mm. so yeah, no, I definitely wasn't going to go private again. And now that we had another daughter, I didn't feel the need to stay in the hospital after birth. So I didn't want my health, uh, my private health. So I cancelled that, um, and decided to go through the midwifery care at the public hospital instead. So yeah, yeah. I called them when I, while I was in Tasmania, super early. And tried to get on the list, and I was, um, yeah, thank- thankfully successful. So that was amazing. But I did, I did really want a home birth, and because of the bleeding, I had hemorrhages, obviously, with some abruption. Um, they weren't able to, yeah, mark me as um, eligible for home birth. So it was going to be through the hospital. So my plan was always to kind of stay at home as long as possible and arrive to birth and then go home. Does your public hospital offer um, home birth? They do, yeah. Oh, stop it. Do you know Queensland's the only state in Australia that doesn't have that program? Um, wow. Really? I don't know. Yeah, I've tried to look into it and see if we can do some advocating for it, but it's so amazing. So wow. for any of the listeners that don't know, it, it's something that's offered in other states and not all towns. It's only some select schools, yeah. but they offer through the MGT program, it's a home birth option, but yeah. you do have to qualify for it and be low risk. Um, mm-hmm. But you can birth at home through midwife for free, publicly funded, which is so incredible. Good. So, so, so good. Yeah, and I've, I've filmed a lot of women um, who have gone through down that route, which is amazing because the alternative is to pay, you know, six to $8,000 yes. for a midwife. Yeah. 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 I mean, some of that you can get on rebate, but not, not a hell of a lot. 
yeah, but it is like I know, like yeah, definitely should try to invest into your birth, but it's so much money. Like it is a lot of money. I can understand why it's a lot of money. Like I don't dispute the cost. The midwives spend a lot of time and everything for you. Like you know, they deserve to be paid that much. But the average person, like you know, mm-hmm. it's just it's it's out of reach. So definitely, I mean, and I. I didn't have the funds to do a private midwife, so my, that was my option. MVP was my my only option. Yeah, um, which was a good option. Yeah, it was amazing, but I really wanted that home birth, and um, they were so 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 accommodating. Like they were really trying to advocate for me, and it was literally like a just a one of those things that like okay, on paper it says you've lost more than fifteen hundred meals. I'm like, yeah, that's because of the abruption. Like it wasn't the postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah, um, and they're like, oh, well, they, were, they were looking through all my notes to try and find loopholes to try and tick me off, but they, it just wasn't really possible. And they're like, we can fight this further. We can take it to you know X Y Z people. <laughs> and I, I surrendered and was like, okay, do you know what? I don't want to get angry about and be let down. So I'm happy with a hospital birth. That's fine. I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna do that and arrive late. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um the midwife that you were allocated in your group, how was he or she? Did you get along with them good? Oh, she was so beautiful. So she was quite new to the program, um, which I think was really nice. And yeah, we, we really clicked and she'd had her own home birth and she wanted and she wanted me to have the best birth, especially considering the last one. And she was just my little yeah, um, my cheerleader for the whole thing and she was amazing and she gave me information, but she never overstood, you know, um, across the line or anything. She was amazing. I, I, yeah, very, very fond of her. Oh, that's, nice. that's incredible. Yeah. Now, let's talk about your um, birth story of flow. What was the first signs of labor? Um, like I said, it was like the longest time ever. Um, I'd had <laughs> pre, again, I'd had pre labor for weeks and weeks, and I'd wake up in the night, get all giddy and excited, like it's happening tonight, and then go back to sleep. And in the morning, I'd wake up. And there's nobody. <laughs> oh, it was such a mindfuck. And yeah, that went on is. for so long. And I was so, towards the end, I was actually really deflated. I was getting really down about it because I'm like, I'm just never going to have my baby. Like, I'm going to be pregnant for <laughs> the rest of eternity. Like, I mean, obviously that can't happen. But when you're pregnant and you're overdue, you just, you're so sure <laughs> that it's never going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I was, it was a long time. Um, but finally it did. We'd um we decided to have a garage sale, which is kind of like a nesting decluttering thing that we did. I thought I'd had the baby by them, to be honest, but it was a big community garage sale, and all the like all your neighbours do it as well, and it brings heaps of people to our little town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just a fun day. Like everyone's walking the streets, and it was nice and sunny. And I was just sitting out there, and <laughs> everyone's walking up, going, "Still pregnant?" I'm like, "Yes, still pregnant." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm very down about it. Um, but I was just exhausted and really grumpy. And then that night I put my daughter to bed, which I, um, in the lead up to Fleur's birth, I hadn't been doing that. I'd been, my husband had been putting her to sleep, um, just so that when the baby came, you know, it wasn't going to be a change of the routine if I couldn't do it. Yeah. And, um, I was just adamant on doing it that night. I was like, no, I really want to give her a cuddle. It would be kiss. And I just sat on her bed and I started sobbing and was just like, I love you, baby. And, you made me a mummy and you'll always be my baby and just I, I must have known something was up because that's the night I went into labour. I swear you do. I swear your, your intuition or your body or I don't know what it is knows before you really know. So sweet, hey? You always hear stories like this, like, yeah. you know, yeah. 
Sorry, so go beautiful. on. <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah, so, so sweet. Um, and so, yeah, my hubby and I watched a really shitty movie and was um, just in fits of laughing. You know, the, when you get those little giggles and you just yeah. can't stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that and that I think that was all the feelings, all the oxytocin, all the, all the emotion happening um, definitely did it and put me into labour. So I woke up at about – I went to bed at 9.30 and then woke up around 11.30 because I kept having like a really annoying dream that I was uncomfortable and I woke up and was like, oh, hang on, maybe this is labour. But again, every night was labour. <laughs> mm. I thought it was labour. Um, and so I went, up, went to the toilet and I went back to bed. And then um, I got up again at about 20 minutes and I'm like, I reckon I've had like four contractions. It's only been 20 minutes. Like maybe this is something. And I went back down to the toilet and had loose bowel movements, like really loose. Like again, I'd been having all these symptoms for labour for the last week, like last few weeks. But this was like next level loose. Yeah. And so I, um, I was like, okay, we're definitely on. And, you know, they're five minutes apart, which is so lovely because with Winnie, like they were just back to back and this was like really a really enjoyable labour. Yeah, you are getting a chance to like ease into it. And yeah, it so slow. Yeah. It was so enjoyable. And so I started lighting all the candles and popped in the shower with some clary sage and all the things and just left my husband to sleep. And by about one o'clock, he came down the stairs and honestly, he was like a little kid at Christmas. Like he's had the biggest grin on his face. He's like, yes, we're on. Like he knew that I wouldn't have lit all the candles if it wasn't serious. <laughs> and so we're like, yes, and we just had a big grin and a big little dance party and we're so happy it was finally happening. Um, and yeah, I kept laboring and it was just, it was really manageable because I had that break and I was enjoying it and I knew, I knew everything was happening as it should happen. So rather than resisting a lot of those urges, a lot of sensations and contractions, I was just allowing it to take over me and, um, yeah, it was really, really, really enjoyable. It got to about 2 o'clock, so my husband had been up for about an hour and I said, oh, I think I think we should get going because I really want to get there and feel the birth pull up because we'd hired one. They do have um, baths in the hospital, but mm. I wanted a big birth pull so that my hubby could get in and everything. But, of course, you have to get there and fill it up and that all takes time. And I'm like, no, 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 it's too early. Like, I've only been laboring for like two and a half hours. Like, just stay home and enjoy this moment. So we did. We stayed a bit longer. And then it got to about three o'clock and I'm like, oh, I feel like we should really get going soon. And then I called my nana to come and look after my, um, after me, who lives just right behind us. And she arrived. And it's like my body just went, okay, someone's here to look after your daughter and you're good now. Like, and I just, it just ramped up so quick. Um, I was on my tippy toes and I'm like, oh, okay. Hopped in the car, started driving. We had a birth photographer coming along, so my husband called her. Um, and it just, yeah, it all happened really, really, really quickly to the point where I really thought I was going to have a car birth. <laughs> um, I was sort of bearing down in the back seat, and I was, oh, yeah, definitely transitioning because I noticed my my mind frame change into I can't do this. Oh, yeah. And I thought, hang on, that's not you. <laughs> that's your body. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we got there and... My husband's going, oh, I'm just going to run the birth pool in. And like, I couldn't speak by that stage, but I'm just thinking there is no way. There's gonna, no way. We're going to pump this birth pool up. You're not making good, that pool. Good luck. Uh. <laughs> I'm like, just let him do what he needs to do. I'm just doing my own thing. So he kind of ran in and came back for me, and I'm out the front of the hospital. I'm like leaning over, fully bearing down. I'm grunting. Some guy's trying to walk into the emergency like, oh, shit. Like, it's so funny. People just don't know what to do with a labour. I know. <laughs> I had so many people looking at me like, shit, 
bed? Are you yeah. doing in your then... wheelchair? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And he was kind of like stuck outside because it was after hours. So he's just like pressing the button, like, let me in, looking at me. Like, <laughs> he would have been oh, so awkward. To do. <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. And I kind of just laughed and I thought, how ironic that I don't want a hospital birth and I'm going to give birth out, outside the hospital by myself <laughs> with this strange man. <laughs> but we did it we managed to get down the hallway and I kept stopping and bearing down and I got there I got into the um the birth ward and my beautiful midwife had heard my sounds on the phone (laughs) and was like okay I don't think we're going to have time for this birth pool so she'd actually filled up the the bath for me which was so lovely um and we heard the bath going and it was like the sweetest sound ever (laughs) so I um I kind of dropped to my knees next to the bath and she kind of leant down in front of me and with this slight little grin on my face because it was quite intense, like it was head coming sort of thing. And she was like, I think you need to get in the bath now. I thought, yeah, this is definitely happening. And so we arrived in the car park at about four o'clock and she was out in my arms by 4.40. No way. So it was really quick. So you like, did you give birth in the bath? Yeah, up to the bath. Oh, it was sweet relief. It was so good in the bath. Um, yeah, yeah down so, so good. It was amazing. But it's it was, I mean, it was hard. It was hard work. I'd never been in that situation where I felt that bulging because, you know, with Winnie, that didn't happen. I was, they gave me a spinal block. Mm. Um, and so I'd never felt that sensation. And I was like, fuck, this is, yeah, this is hard. I felt like the labor <laughs> I was dealing with really well, but that, Clearing <clears throat> down the um the bulging and the ring of fire and the actual birth was yeah a lot harder for me. It is extremely hard, and I I do I remember heaps of friends asking me like, "What's it like?" I'm like, "It's like the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life, but the most empowering, amazing, mm. incredible thing you'll ever do as well." Oh, so 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 good. Like, and I of course I had my beautiful midwife there. It's funny that because like because Fleur was quite overdue, um, so many times like my midwife would go on and off shift and we'd be like, All right, all the best then. I guess it's not gonna be me that you're at your birth and mm. we're like, Oh, okay, bye. Like we did that like two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, Okay, you're back on shift again, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so she yeah, she was obviously you got your allocated midwife there. I did, yeah. 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 And then whoever was just on call at the hospital. Um which is funny, you know, like they have to have a second midwife there. Yeah. Um, if they don't, they kind of get in a little bit of trouble. So yeah, have, to have a second one there. Yeah, um, yeah. But do you know what? Like even though she was at the Park Lake Hospital and she she wasn't part of the MGP program, and I feel like they're just a different breed, those beautiful women. Like they, the MGP midwives are just so, oh, they're just, they're just the best. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're much more like – Consider it. Consider <laughs> it. Definitely much more mother focused for sure. Yeah, um, there were just little comments by the other midwife that just just didn't need to happen. Like, mm. I'm like, I'm right here. I can hear you. She's just like, oh, did you check the heart rate when she arrived? And she's like, yeah, yeah it's all good. Like, she's kind of pissed off something. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay, well, let's check again. And of course, like, I'm in the water. She couldn't. She couldn't find a heart rate. Baby was head was almost out by that stage, and so baby had dropped. It's so hard to get a heart rate when baby's yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she's going, okay, we're going to have to get mum out of the bath. And I heard her and I'm like, if you can get me out of this bath, like <laughs> kudos to you, woman, because there is no fucking way I'm stepping foot out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's like that. they definitely have a bit more of a, like a medical tick box to, you know, check off. I've found that 
I was in the MGP, but I had to go to the hospital twice for some, like just for some little things towards the end of the pregnancy and the conversations with the midwives just on, on you know, on the ward compared to like the MGP midwife, are completely different conversations. Like, mm. so um, medically focused with those midwives, and then my MGP midwife was like, "No, you're right. You you got it. Your body will just do it." Like, oh, I know. It's just crazy. It's like, how do they have such different mentality? They're very much hospital midwives are very much um, working for OBs. You know, they've got that mentality. Yeah. They're medical midwives, whereas I feel like the MGP. They're used to seeing physiological birth at home with mm. women. And they trust it. They trust it. And they actively try to work in that space. So they already have that behind them. You know, they've already got that interest. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So then Flo was born and mm-hmm. how was like your golden hour? So, so, so sweet. <laughs> it was the best. It was so good. We um we didn't know either of our um other our baby's gender so that was a beautiful surprise to have a second daughter and um yeah we stayed in the bath for a little bit um got some beautiful photos as well because we had the photographer there she just arrived in time. I was gonna ask that actually yeah. did the photographer make it <laughs> just she literally like ran down the hallway <laughs> um yeah so we've got some beautiful photos of that um that moment and yeah it was just it was so lovely that golden hour um I hopped out of the bath probably about 20 minutes after birth because so because of my um abruption there the standard care for for me going forward was going to be a, a very um active third stage so like a, a very um what do I call it like a- actively managed yes yeah actively yeah. managed third stage yeah so not not just your general syntocin drip it was like uh, syntocin and injection it was like you're going to have to have a cannula on a Upon entry to the hospital, you're going to have to have a uh, syntocin and drip as well as the injection, like all oh, just all these things. And I was like, "Well, that's not happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so silly. It's a completely different birth. There is no risk to me having a sec- another hemorrhage. Like it was, I knew it was because of the eruption, you know. Yeah. Um. And so I said no. And I, during my pregnancy, I actually had to go into the hospital and meet with the scary OBs and have someone explain all the risks which actually wasn't as bad as I um, was anticipating it to be because I got a beautiful OB um, but yeah I had to sign all the paperwork to basically say yes this is what you want me to do and I'm saying no and if I understand the risks and blah blah blah, blah. which by the way there were no risks like it was fine mm. um, it was just yeah one they, they wanted to manage it um, quite intensely so I opted not to have uh, so to have a physiological third stage um, and I wanted to keep my baby attached to the placenta for a few hours and um, so I've got a beautiful photo of her still attached to her placenta. Um, and, yeah, it was just really, it was really lovely. We hopped out of the bath to help gravity get the placenta out because because you're still in a hospital environment, there's still a clock ticking, which yeah. is such a shame. Like my midwife was amazing. She's like, it's okay, there's no rush, don't worry. But, like, there's still a rush. There's still, there you've is, got, yeah. On paper, you've still got 60 minutes before they, yeah. they take action. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted it out so that I could sit down and enjoy my baby um and not be anticipating that <laughs> so yeah I hopped up out of the bath and kind of squatted over a bowl and it came out um within less than 30 minutes so that was perfect and yeah didn't have any bleeding and it's funny like the hospital comments like the staff the OB and the the other medical midwife <laughs> were like oh I think you're still going to need placentosin and this is after the birth of placenta and I hadn't lost any blood and I'm like, why? Like, why are you pushing this on me? I don't, I just don't understand it. It's just so medically managed. And mm. 
yeah. Anyway, I didn't. It was all good. And did you, how was her latch? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful breastfeeding journey. <laughs> Thank God. Really? It's yeah. so, I find it so wild how like different, you know, how different everyone's journeys are, like even with different children. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Um, and that's why they, they all births shouldn't be treated the same. I exactly. Think your, your history should not determine your next birth. Yeah, a hundred percent. Of one of my best friends, she could not breastfeed her son. She tried so hard for twelve weeks, like so so hard, and she just had so many problems with it. And she ended up having to put him on a formula. And her second one, boob monster, breastfeeding her, like going strong ten months in, like not a drama breastfeeding. So good, so good. I um, have had a bit of oversupply again, which I have with Winnie, um, which is actually what caused that, her bad latch. Um, mm-hmm. So, but knowing knowing that was probably going to be another reality for me is having too much milk. Is I just adapted to that, you know. I I breastfed in different different ways, and um, I did still see a lactation consultant just to get on top of everything. But um, and I had a beautiful postpartum doula as well who helped me with some breastfeeding issues. But um, it was good by six weeks. And how was your uh, postpartum period now with the toddler? Was it two different experiences? Um, it was, it was, she was still a baby, so it was different. Well, yeah, sorry, um, she was a baby, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she was still only 16 months, so almost 17 months. So I don't know, I, I honestly expected it to be really challenging. And don't get me wrong, we definitely have our challenging days, but we it's been a it's been a lot smoother than I anticipated, which has been really lovely. And Winnie's just obsessed with her little bubby, and um, it's just been yeah, it's just been a lot smoother than I thought. And I think having that postpartum support too, that having a doula locked in, knowing I was going to get that help, um, and having my husband work at home, um, you know, if I need him, he just comes down, and then he can work later at night, and it's, we just make it work. And he's you know he's present, he's always there, and. Um, it's been it's been really smooth and really really enjoyable. That's amazing. And can you tell us a little bit more about your postpartum doula? What did you hire her to do? So originally, um, I had another woman. She um, we bond. Oh, she was so beautiful. <laughs> we bonded so beautifully, and she's a really close friend now. But um, but yeah, she her her life plans changed, and she went up and um, moved to Costa Rica, and so. Right before she left, she kind of teed me up with um, someone else. And so she was actually going to come and film the birth. Mm. And she was my pregnancy support as well. She really, oh, she's just so nuts. She just would send me beautiful emails and love letters and like just get me in the right headspace for birth. And she was just amazing. Um, But yeah, so I was so sad when she told me she was leaving. (laughs) But she teed everything up. And so I had another doula come and do all the postpartum stuff. And then she hired the photographer as well. So um yeah so she came and the other doula came and she would bring me beautiful you know home-cooked ayurvedic meals and snacks and she'd take my daughter to the park and she'd walk the dog and she'd just she, she'd set up yoni steams and she'd just hold me and she'd listen and we talk about the birth and yeah we've just developed such a beautiful friendship now as well and um she has children the same age as me and she's actually just had another another baby just a few weeks ago who I went and filmed her birth. So it was just, yeah, really, really special. That's so, so incredible. I'm so glad that women are starting to utilise services like that. You hear about it a lot more. So it's amazing. Yeah. 
I really wish I'd done it with Winnie. I really needed that support then. Um, yeah. But you only know what you know. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Don't you wish you could go like could go back and do things with all of the knowledge that you have now? But oh, no. that's the calling that I had to share all of that knowledge and all of that, I guess, that interest with other women. So yeah, um, you know, women who are about to go into that journey hear it from you and I. <laughs> yeah, so amazing, Kendall. It's such a needed resource. <laughs> Thank you. So also your birth videography, did you, have you, when did you go back to that? I didn't really stop. Um, I was just sort of picking up booking slowly um, and it wasn't probably until the last few months that my daughter's a little bit older that um, I've sort of taken more on, taken on more bookings and had a couple per month now. Um, it was just a bit tricky in the early days. I didn't really do it because um of just breastfeeding and stuff but we found yeah. that groove and I can I pump and I leave milk in the fridge for my husband to feed her and we make it work yeah it's a and it must be such a rewarding job is it oh it's the best it's the best job I actually pinch myself I can't believe it it just it knocks me to the ground every time I witness a woman birth and it's made me such such a birth advocate like it's mm. especially because my background's in health promotion. I'm like, right, we need to make change here. What are we what are we doing? Like what do we need to do to make sure that every woman has experiences like this? Because I think women who I typically film, they've already done that that work um themselves. Yeah. They know, you know. So a lot of the births I, I capture um actually most of them are home births, um, with private midwives. Um yeah, so it's been it's been really, really special and um fun. <laughs> Had a fun little birth in my lounge room a few weeks ago. We had a um, a woman traveling Australia who I offered up my lounge room. <laughs> I saw the video and it is like very special. And everyone listening now needs to go onto your Instagram and look at it. I'll tag it all in the show notes. It's beautiful. Like, mm. can you tell us about it. <laughs> oh, it's so special. Um, it was funny because like when she contacted um, me, she was forty weeks and. Um, well, okay, cool. You'll arrive. You'll have your baby any day. <laughs> but, um, by the time she gave birth, she was, um, over 41 weeks. So we'd had the whole week to kind of get to know each other and our kids would, yeah, join at the hip. And it was just, just so, so beautiful. Um, but yeah, she ended up in the lounge room and it was so lovely because she'd been traveling Australia and, um, she didn't really know where she was going to birth, but she'd had a home birth with her first and wanted to, um, they wanted to just free birth this time because she, yeah, obviously, how was that? Um, that trust in birth and trust in the female body and not needing to go to medical providers and everything was perfect. It was such a beautiful free birth. Mm, it looked so beautiful, raining, and it was yes. so nice. So, um, so sweet. That's amazing. Good on her. I'll have to get her on next. I <laughs> know uh, you will. Such a cool, uh, she's so funny, though. You know, like, I'm like, I'm not interested in your story. And she's like, Really? Isn't this normal? She goes, oh, I forget. It's not normal. No, <laughs> just being her? a fucking boss and just free birth and her baby <laughs> like a queen. <laughs> she was so happy too because she ended up with, um, I said, why don't you get a, a, um, a birth pool? And she's like, really? I can do that? I'm like, yes, go get one. So we, she hired one and uh, was able to have a water birth, which she was really stoked about because she kind of put that to the back of her brain, like, oh, it's just not going to happen this time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was so, so sweet. Oh, that's amazing. I'm yet to I, I know I've seen your post um saying that she had shared her her birth story on your and you've put it in your blog. So I'm yet to go and read it. 
Yeah. So I've got a couple of questions for you. If you remember from your first birth, what were your overall costs to birth your baby? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so probably it probably ended up costing me somewhere around $2,000, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, um, um, yeah, yeah, probably about 2000. Yeah. Um, going through a B. Um, oh gosh, something like that anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, hindsight, I wish I actually ended up using that for a postpartum dollar. <laughs> yeah. And going through the free system. Um, we're, yeah, we're so lucky. We've got a beautiful maternity system here for free, especially if you can go through MGP. Yeah. I think, um, private obstetrics is not gold standard mm. um, as much as we all put it on a pedestal because it you know we think if you pay for something it has to be better um having continuity of care is important but having you know that care through a midwife you know woman to woman is is gold standard in my opinion i think so too mm. and what about with flow not a cent yeah <laughs> yeah free program oh and just yeah just look at my story like a difference in the whole story is just, yeah, was, birth was everything I dreamed of. And, of course, I had the abruption with Winnie, so that takes it out of it. But it's just, yeah, like I said, private obstetrics is not gold standard. It's You're paying for someone who is medicalised to medicalise you. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's you're paying for someone's expertise, which is medical intervention. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, they deserve to be paid for that. And that's what they're there to do. And it's fine if that's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. If you uh, don't want, if you want to give birth naturally, I, I don't believe a private OB is the way to go. Mm, mm. There would there'd be a dime a dozen that um, you hear in OBs that would support that or don't have high intervention rates. Yeah, sure. and it's not necessarily that you end up with a cesarean. That's not always the case. So the, the statistics are quite high, but... You know, if you're even looking at intervention, it's have you got a cannula? Like, do you really need a cannula on a wrist to give birth? Women don't need a cannula to give birth. Mm. You know, it's all the little things. It's all it's the continuous fetal monitoring, which you know, like I said before, it has not improved birth outcomes. Um, so it's just it's just un, unnecessary intervention in a hospital setting, and um, especially now knowing what I know now, I mean, I wish I could go back, like I said, but I'm a huge advocate for home birth. Um, if you're wanting to have a natural, drug-free, intervention-free birth, home birth or private midwifery care is absolutely the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Mm. And the next question would be, if you could give one piece of advice to a mum about to embark on this journey, what would it be? Exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly that. I mean, I thought that going through a private obstetrician, doing my research, finding someone who was positive, um, who was, you know, advocating for vaginal deliveries and VBACs would be my best option, my best bet. But it doesn't matter who you're choosing. You're still in a system. It's not the person. It's the system. It's you're on a clock. There's Mm. policies that you have to abide by. And, um, well, I shouldn't say that. There are policies that they want you to abide by. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I suppose my, my advice then going on from that would be to understand that you are in control. You have the power to say yes or no to anything in the hospital. Um, you don't need to do anything. You know, just like how they want it be to have the the drip and the injection. And but why? Like I did, I didn't need that. And so, if you advocate for yourself, 
sign the paperwork. They're just trying to cover their asses. That's what they're trying to do at the end of the day. But it doesn't have to impact your birth. So advocating for yourself is the yeah the way forward, I think, in our maternity system. Absolutely. And what is your favorite product or purchase? Uh, I think my breast pump, actually. Um, Because I did have a lot of challenges with my daughter, I I remember thinking, so many people say, don't buy a breast pump until you know you're going to be breastfeeding. And I thought, that's silly. That means you're not going to breastfeed. Like you're already, you're already deciding you might not breastfeed. If you want to breastfeed, buy the pump, invest that money because that's so much money to then waste if you don't end up breastfeeding. So you're going to be more adamant about breastfeeding. Mm. That was my mentality. So I, um, I mean, I'm pretty stubborn as it is. I'm a stubborn person, but um, <laughs> I was so determined to breastfeed. And I think having that breast pump was just another thing like that. You know, if I pay the $500 for a good breast pump, I'm absolutely going to be breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, I love which pump, pump is it? Um, what is it? It's, it's the Medela Travel One Flex, I think it might be called. Right. Um, no. And you can put them both on at the same time and like attach a little bra and you just walk around. Um, and it's a travel one. So because we did, we do a lot of traveling for, um, my husband's work. Um, I needed something that I could just plug into a USB in the car and charge and use. And I, I've, yeah, been known to sort of drive and pump at the same time. Yeah. Hands free. So it was a perfect one. Love it. I've done that before. And just so you know, I actually just seen that thing on, um, social media about a lady in Brisbane. She was driving Gold Coast to Brisbane and she just got the thousand dollar fine. For first what months. you know how you know how they have the cameras now that see like when you're on your phones, <laughs> they took the fucking photo of her with her breast pumps on, and she got a thousand dollar fine, even though she had her belt and everything on. Wow, was she yeah. like? Did she have her hands on the steering wheel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was all good. She wasn't even driving; she was a passenger. It was like a distraction or something from the seatbelt or like what a interruption. Yeah, that I know, is- right? crazy <laughs> what is the world coming to i know i used to drive around if i'd go i'd have like an event or like gym or something like that i'd be driving there like pumping my titties like oh, oh god yeah <laughs> and it just gives you a bit of freedom i mean if your baby would take a bottle that is but yeah um it just gives you a little bit of freedom so invest yeah. in the breast pump <laughs> absolutely well we'll wrap that one up there thank you so much Janae. it was so nice to get to know you can't wait to share your story with everyone and your instagram and your page and share all that with the world and i appreciate you coming on and sharing your story today oh, thank you so much thanks for having the platform for me to share it's um it's really special sharing my own birth stories i'm often um capturing other people so it's really lovely <laughs> to reflect on my own so thank you no problem Thank you so much, Nave, for coming on and sharing your beautiful story. It was truly amazing to hear. If you are pregnant right now and looking for a little bit of birth inspiration, I highly recommend going and checking out her Instagram page, which is thebirthproject.australia. She really is truly talented birth videographer and some of her content is amazing i just went through and stalked her page again and i've been sitting here in tears watching the beautiful videos that she's put together so go and check her page out i'll tag her instagram in the show notes and over on the instagram and don't forget guys if you need anything birth postpartum related products jump over to the maiden to mother journey website and get your 10% off discount, which is pod 10, P-O-D-1-0. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next time on the show.
The information and opinions presented in this podcast are for educational and entertainment purposes only. While I may discuss pregnancy, birth and postpartum topics, I am not a medical professional and the information provided should not be construed as medical advice. I strongly encourage my listeners to consult with their own healthcare provider before making any changes in your pregnancy and birth journey based on the information you hear on this podcast or elsewhere. Remember, the information provided in this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any health concerns or questions, please seek the guidance of a licensed medical professional. Thanks for listening. Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs and you're doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm.